In this week's discussion, I'm going to focus on two fundamental topics, two fundamental ideas, but not only fundamental theologically or philosophically, but also fundamental from a contemporary standpoint, and we'll touch upon that at the end. So what we're going to do is discuss these two ideas, discuss why they are both revolutionary, but also how they help us picture what Judaism is asking for us in terms of how we look at the world. The two ideas I'm talking about is the idea of God and the idea of belief. Two ideas that are fundamental to any religious system, but what does Judaism mean by these terms? And how did it differ so fundamentally, both from the way people look at God and belief today, and how they did in ancient times? And it is the most appropriate time for this discussion, because this is the foundation of the Jewish people historically. Let us begin with a first question. God. What do we mean by that term? And this question was actually asked in this week's Pasha. Moses looks to God and says, what do I call you? And I touched upon this last week, but it's worth repeating. To ask for a name is to ask for how should I picture my worldview in reference to that name. The idea of God as it was in pagan times, or as it was in even the Aristotelian era of a prime mover, this idea of a blind god, or even a god that cared but was part of nature, these conceptions of God are a radical shift from what the Jewish people were portraying God to the world as. So blind in two senses of the word, either blind because it's a mechanistic substance of nature that has no causal power, or part of nature itself, in which case it can't escape the causal sequence. So blind in terms of foresight or in terms of action, this God was blind. To ask for a name is to ask for a reference point. Ask how ought I live my life? How should I picture my life in reference to this idea? The word in Hebrew for a name is shame or shom. The word there, to place something, to conceptualize it. What we're asking for is how should I conceptualize my world in reference to this more fundamental reality? That is the call from Moshe to Hashem. What should I call you by? This wasn't a question of a belief of an innate transcendent spirit to the universe. That isn't religiously interesting. That's why I often find debates between atheists and theists about arguments for the existence of God cute and interesting, but not that religiously relevant because a cause of existence has no bearing on your life. A cause of existence, a pantheistic spirit of existence, isn't interesting. In isolation, the ability to articulate a belief in some sort of transcendence. It, of course, it's a step, but it's not religiously interesting from a Jewish point of view, as is given speech here, as is given articulation here by Moshe's question to Hashem. The Jewish people knew that there was a connection between something higher. Their forefathers had experienced it, but how should they view themselves in reference to it? And the answer Hashem gives, the answer the Bible gives is Eyeh Asher Eyeh. Not I am, as it's often translated. As Rav Hirsch points out, I shall be. It is in the future tense. I am the one who introduced freedom. I shall be that which I shall be. I am a God of freedom. My relationship to the world is grounding the freedom that you feel in your lives and the freedom that I interact with the world. We don't talk about the absolute entity of God. We talk about how he acts in the world. And that action in the world is coming from a point of view of freedom that on one hand grounds our freedom, a notion absent in ancient times. But more than that, it grounds our place in history. It turns history into a narrative that once again was a revolutionary shift. There's no cyclical existence one existence following another. Remember, Bronze Age Egypt had been around for a long time, but now the Jewish people enter the scene, and what we call God by 
pictures our reality. It orientates ourselves in the world. This idea of God, of a hey, yeah, I shall be, is what we call God, and that is what we mean by God. We mean that which has a demand on us to look at the world as if our freedom matters. How we act in the world matters. There is a narrative to history. There is a narrative to our lives that matters. And it's fascinating in the West how this idea is so pervasive. We talk about how is your life going? We talk about moral progress. Are you living up to your expectation? All this sort of language is fundamentally grounded in the idea that the life is some form of narrative, that there is a story to your life, that your life has a beginning and it has an end, and that is a purposeful pursuit. That is given voice by this name of what we call God. Once again, this is separating the veracity of the claim. It's not that interesting right now for the purposes of this conversation, whether it can be argued for from a point of view of historical fact. That's a different question. It's an interesting question of what is it actually calling upon you to believe? Well, that brings us to our next question. What do we mean by believe? This term is also used in this week's parasha. The word emuna. Emuna. That is what a Jewish person is called upon to have. A Jewish person is not called upon to have an English word. It's called upon to have emuna and a simple glance about how this word is used throughout the Jewish tradition. It doesn't mean the ability to articulate the existence of a supernatural being. Uh, that's not what it means, or even the existence of a more fundamental reality, or even the articulation of the idea of monotheism, the idea of there being one God. That is not what we mean by the word emuna. The Bible describes this word when it describes people having a certain way of looking at the world in reference to an idea. In this week's parasha, the elders are told that they have emuna in what's been told to them. We even describe in the Jewish tradition God of having emuna. This language doesn't make sense that we're once again referring to the articulation in the belief of a first cause. So what does this word mean? What are you called upon to have? Simply speaking, it refers to a form of commitment to an idea. So in effect, it means to live your life in reference to an idea, to live your life as if a certain idea is worth being committed to. That means this name of God, Emunah, is to live your life with these glasses that are being offered, is to live your life in reference to this idea of God. So we can already see how this idea of faith in Judaism or Emunah is so fundamentally grounded in action. Action, calling upon a person to act, because when you look at the world in a certain way, that necessitates you to act in a certain way. Both the name of God and what we mean by a Muna are grounded in action. From the point of view of God is that you are free and your action matters, and from this point of view of this Muna is that you'll live your life in reference to this idea. That means your view of the world will be pictured by this idea. Hence, how you act will be in direct relationship to it. It's interesting, from a Jewish theological standpoint, there's no interest to purely theological concepts. A system of belief or a faith in Judaism was never considered a consecrated act. There was no value in and of itself in having some sort of mental frame of mind. It was always coupled together with action. Hence, when a person makes a bracha, a blessing, a Jew answers Amen, rooted in that same concept, to be committed to what that person said. To make a blessing, to say, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you God, is making a commitment to further God's goals. You are blessing God. You are committing yourself to these ideas that you articulate in the bracha. And when a person says Amen to that, a person is saying, I am also committed. I will live my life committed to this concept. So the concept of emuna is not a theological concept in isolation. It is tightly coupled to action. 
And this is so fundamental to Judaism, often why Judaism has often been misdescribed as a system of pure action. No, of course not. It's action that follows from a viewpoint of the world. So to recap our two points, God and belief. God, we mean a concept that we can live in reference to, an idea that is calling upon us to act in a certain way, to live our life in a certain way. And emunah, faith, not the articulation of a philosophical concept, but to view the world through a given set of glasses, to view the world as if the world has a calling on you. That is fundamental to what we mean by emunah, that you live your life in reference to that. A good practical example is a person gets married. They then choose to live their life committed to that idea. They orientate their life, they orientate their worldview to be committed to that idea, and then action follows through in a similar way. This is what we mean by emunah. It's actually interesting, though, if we take this concept of faith or this concept of emunah, it stops being the type of thing you have or you don't have. It becomes a process, a line you move along. It's not something you either yes or no, because that's often how it's characterized. Do you believe in God? Well, if you take in the concept of emunah from a Jewish point of view, it's not something you really say yes or no to. It's more something you say, well, whether I'm working on it or not, do I consider it a value that I want to incorporate? Once again, this very much does separate the veracity of the biblical story, meaning that has to be discussed as well. But it's interesting to first find out what it calls upon you to do. Now, this is when it really brings in the last idea I want to discuss, the contemporary nature of this discussion, because we can't escape our historical context. We live in a world that understands the world in a certain way, understands this ancient man in a certain way. That comes with advantages and disadvantages. I can look at ancient man. I can look at the way he looked at the world and see how morally revolutionary the Bible was, how it looked at individuals, how it looked at people, how it looked at callings, how it looked at mission, how it looked at what it expects of humanity. But then again, I also look at the world from a scientific standpoint more than my ancestors did. A more grounded example could be that, say, for in the 1960s, God was very popular in America. Well, that was because their enemy, so to speak, was the Soviets, the USSR, those godless communists. In which case, then going to church was almost a patriotic thing to do. And in today's day and age, since 9-11, well, the idea of religion and God has always left this idea of a something dangerous involved there, something non-thinking to it, something irrational. And all of this comes into play to how I choose to live my life. So to appreciate what glasses Judaism invites me to wear, what is called upon me by the notion of God, what is called upon me by the notion of this phrase, emunah, is it something that I can accept? Is it something I want to accept? And appreciating what these ideas mean allows me, in my opinion, to give a more balanced view whether I choose to live my life like this. So we had our two points, the idea of belief and the idea of God and what both these ideas mean and how they are deeply coupled to action. And action always implies how ought I act. Because if I'm told to act, or if I want to act, I'm acting in a way I think I should act, and how tightly coupled that is to the moral life. And then we brought in, well, we brought in a historical context, and understanding how we stand in the world pictures how we view these ideas. So, first understanding the ideas from their own point of view allows us to give a more balanced picture to whether we choose to wear the glasses or not, or to what extent we want to wear the glasses. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.